0: I'm joined by Catherine Conway, founder and CEO of Unpackaged. Thank you for joining me, Catherine.
1: Hi, lovely to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Speaking of making history, you are making your own kind of history. And so um, in two sentences, can you just kind of describe, um, as though I'm an eight-year-old, what Unpackaged does?
1: So if I was talking to an eight-year-old, I would probably say we are the people that help everybody do zero waste better. So the idea of zero waste is to get products to people without creating any waste uh, in Mm -hmm. production and transportation and consuming. And we are trying to help everyone, whether they are small individuals or large corporations to try and do that better to get away from the current system that we've got, which is using resources unsustainably.
0: Yeah. And um, why is that work important for the environment?
1: So, if everybody consumed resources at the rate that we do in the West, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be any. That's the reality. And when you say
0: everyone, you mean
1: the entire all 7 billion. billion? Yeah, the global population. And we all know that the global population is growing. Yes. Uh, and there just simply aren't enough resources to go around. And I would also say that we are using very valuable resources for very transitory things. Mm. Um, and I think we need a rebalancing of how what we consume and how we consume it uh, to pay respect to the generations that are going to come after us. Yeah. Um, I'm actually not an environmentalist, shock horror. Wow. I would say I'm a humanitarian. I think this planet will be fine without us. Mm. It's a question of how long, much longer we can live in a civilized way, in an equitable way, uh, across the global population, to a manner that that allows people to live fruitful lives. I think that's, that, to me, is what my work is about.
0: Um, I think that's a really interesting point. Uh, so
1: it, sounds, it sounds a bit grandiose, and it wasn't meant to sound quite yeah. so grandiose as we've only just started, but really, really, that is at the heart of what we're doing.
0: I think it makes sense. I mean, Ultimately, you know, this idea of of climate change and uh, the plastic pollution—we're really, I mean, it is important to protect other species. Ultimately, we are trying to save ourselves. I would say, and and our future generation, because, like you said, I I I think I agree with you. The Earth will be fine. It'll heal itself, and um, it'll just kind of get on its. It's had mass extinctions in the past, right? So
1: it does. Although you do make a good, popu- good point about you know animal populations who are much less able to look after themselves. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at the devastating effect of wild on wildlife of the American, of the Australian bushfires, you sure. know, it's absolutely tragic what we're doing. Um, and so the idea that we, yeah, will cause the extinction of all of these other species before our own. You know, if we choose to do it to ourselves, that's our own problem. Yeah, it is heartbreaking to think of of the other living creatures as well. Yeah, it
0: is. Um, good news is that by being a humanitarian, it sounds like you're also being an, an environmentalist yeah. by, um, as a symptom. And so in more kind of specific terms, um, what does Unpackage do as far as um, on a day-to-day basis?
1: So funnily enough, I would say we've been doing this for 12 years and mm-hmm. I would say that we have spent 12 years being an idea in search for business model okay. and probably an idea in search for market as well. So when I started, it was because I could feel that I was consuming all of this single use packaging, mm-hmm. but it wasn't that there was really the kind of, you know, mainstream awareness of single use packaging or the plastic crisis or, or zero waste, which we can talk about later or the yeah. circular economy. You know, they were, they were very sort of academic discussions really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I came at it from a consumer point of view and I went through this, this, process of having an idea, turning it into a market stall and then a shop and really I was just trying to find ways of helping people consume what I consider to be a more sustainable way. So what we are now that everybody is now finally interested, which is just fabulous, uh, is I guess we are three things. So we're a consultancy, Mm -hmm. So we do consultancy, whether it is workshops for individuals wishing to set up zero waste stores in their own community to consultancy for very large retailers, such as the project we did with Waitrose, uh, the relationship we have with Planet Organic Mm -hmm. uh, and now starting to work really interestingly with manufacturers uh, and logistics companies as well. So this is what I mean about zero waste needs to be end to end. It's from, you know, people talking agriculture about farm to fork. Um, you know it's that it's everything from how the product is produced to how it's consumed and back again Um, so we do that consultancy we then actually physically sell kit so we have some what we call off-the-shelf units that we mm-hmm. sell into existing businesses because we know that not everybody has a budget that a large retailer might so we've got a very sort of simple unit that we uh, sell into the independent trade um so our heart is very much in the independent food sector you know i appreciate that we have to work with very large retailers but i having had a small shop myself and understanding the importance of the high street for many, many other reasons than the products just that they sell. Uh, we we have a, a program that supports the independent trade with these units. And then we have what we're loosely calling a, a think-do tank. Apparently, you're not allowed a think tank anymore. You have to have a think-do tank. Uh, which just is, think
0: about it. you got to do something about it. Yeah,
1: I mean, we like are that. the ultimate doers. You know, we don't really sit and think about anything. <laughs> if we can see an idea, we just do it. So. That really takes in our campaigning work, advocacy, and I guess some very early stage kind of R&D, which is very much we see an idea and we try and develop it with partners, Mm -hmm. um, such as the festivals project that we're doing. So, yeah, so we're we're a sort of a wide ranging business. And I guess at various times in our history, we have, you know, focused more on one or the other of those. Um, But that seems to be the route that we're going uh, at the minute.
0: So you you started with um, one of the first big terms you said is single-use packaging, which, mm-hmm. um, based on the reading I've done, is really, I would say, at the heart of what you do. Um, essentially, and this is the reason why I wanted to speak with you, is essentially you are not just removing it, but you're completely making it obsolete, essentially, in certain cases. And we can talk about your arch nemesis later. Um, <laughs> and um, so I guess just the level set, What is the issue with single-use packaging in the first place, just so we can get some context around the challenges?
1: So the issue of single-use packaging is it belongs in a linear economy. So we take really valuable resources out of the ground. We spend a lot of time, money, energy, uh, turning them into very short-life products, especially Mm -hmm. in um, single-use packaging. Um, In a way, extremely clever packaging. You know, we cannot underestimate the things that single-use packaging has allowed us to do and the products that we are able to enjoy from across the world and the ready meals that we can consume that allow us to go out to work and do other things and not have to cook from scratch so there are you know wonderful things and we would be naive to just ignore all of that it has helped with our development as a society but we don't have enough of these resources. So we're taking them out of the ground. We turn them into single-use packaging. There is some statistic that I keep meaning to go back and relook at, but the average amount of time that a, a product stays in somebody's hands in the kitchen is sort of sub 20 seconds. Yeah, seen something. And I appreciate there's a very long supply chain that's got it from where it was made to you in the first place, but it just seems so nuts to if we know that ultimately we're not gonna have enough resources. To, to turn them into items that we just use and boom, they're gone. Um, so we, me amongst myriad other businesses and campaigners are trying to understand how we shift this economy from a linear economy to a circular economy. And the, wow. the idea of a circular economy is you just keep resources moving around the system. Um, So we always say that we are not inherently anti-plastic. The reality is, is if you are going to have reusables in the packaging supply chain, they will probably be made of plastic. You know, if you think about a really good example that nobody really thinks about is when you go into a supermarket, all of the fruit and vegetables are in plastic reusable crates.
0: Yeah, that's true. So
1: there's two companies, there's CHEP who do pellets and IFCO who do banana crates effectively. And those are moved. I think someone from Waitrose told me today that they have 8.5 million in circulation at any one point to service just their estate. So if you think how many Tesco, Asda, everyone else has. So that is just the most fantastic reusable solution. And those will go, you know, to Latin America and back three or four times in a year you know they are being moved and they're not it's not one crate that goes the whole way around the system they have this really clever hub and spoke model so mm-hmm. they are all moving in the most efficient way around a system to keep wow. the system working
0: the logistics sound yeah unbelievable
1: yeah exactly yeah. apparently apparently lots of them are ex-army ex-military people oh cool they don't have to get some, something from a to b
0: yeah quickly um, and effectively
1: yeah, so that's a really clever solution. The reality is, is that's never going to be made of glass or metal. You know, plastic is the only viable material, really, for a durable yeah. product. But as long as you make it out of a decent polymer that goes into it, preferably recycled polymer, and as long as you have a proper end of life program, you know, in a very, uh, a really clever example is Lush. So Lush have the plastic mm-hmm. pots that some of their products come in. And they have uh, an incentivization program. So you if you bring back five of those pots, you get a free product. And those will go back to their factory on the south coast and they get chipped down within the factory and turned back into pots. Oh wow. So and that's all so that's all um recycled plastic. There is probably a tiny percentage of new polymer that has to keep coming into it, otherwise it would degrade. Yeah. But there are plenty of of reusable systems that are starting to exist. And so To make a circular system truly circular, this is what we need, is is reuse, whether it's, I guess, at the consumer end or whether it's within the supply chain.
0: Yeah, so you're saying the word reuse, because one one of my questions, uh, kind of just playing devil's advocate a little bit here is, you know, why don't we just try harder to recycle more?
1: So if you look at something called the waste hierarchy, which Mm -hmm. is a, a very interesting uh, model, I was going to say a very non-sexy model, <laughs> uh, that we all live by in our world. It starts, so reduce is always at the top, so it's, it looks like this, and you've got the most desirable actions at the top and the least mm. desirable ones. So it starts with reduce, and then it goes reuse, and then it goes recycle, and then it goes rot, which effectively means composting. So the reason recycling isn't good is because you will have a lot of process losses in the system, you've got a lot of confusion from customers, so out of everything that we think is going into a recycling bin, a very very tiny percentage between 2 and 8 percent is actually being recycled. So it's problematic in the sense that lots of it isn't being recycled, but it's also a problematic message that we don't want to tell consumers to stop recycling. That would be a terrible outcome, yeah. you know? So I think what we're trying to do is say, yes, recycling has a place, and if done well and efficiently, then it then it has a real place, but actually reuse is a much better system in terms of keeping those resources. And reuse doesn't mean Uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Reuse doesn't mean you buying a single-use bottle of water and then filling it up a couple of times and then disposing of it. Reuse means a proper, something like the glass milk bottle that is designed as a system to be reused in its original form. That's what reuse means. But the elephant in the room is, is that everybody loves recycling because it means business as usual. It means we don't have to change anything. We're retailers. We're manufacturers. We want to sell, sell, sell products, and it's fine because it's all being dealt with at the other end. And mm. they have, if you think of the money and the budgets that have gone into developing packaging, not just for supply chain, security, hygiene, but for marketing and the you know the the pack formats and the differentiation and the colours and the laminates and all of this. You know, so much money has been put into that. And yet, no money is being put into what is effectively local authority recycling infrastructure. So they cannot yeah. physically process it, and then everyone points at the local authorities and go, "Oh, well, you know, each each local authority has a different um, system." But the reality is, and I think this is a National Audit Office statistic, that businesses are paying eighty million a year into contributing to, restruct- to infrastructure and local authorities, you and me through our council tax, are paying 800 million. So they are paying 10% of the cost of that infrastructure. And so that's why it's totally underinvested in. So that's why even if recycling was a solution, we haven't got the infrastructure to process it. And this is changing because there is something called the waste and resources strategy, very dense document but the the direction of travel and this is from a tory government that do not like traditionally to put any red tape on business you know they are very pro-business and pro-free market they have said that the, the driver will be polluter pays so they they recognize that they cannot you know the government whether it's central government local authorities are never going to be able to invest in this as much as is needed And those that are making the money out of it, which in reality are the manufacturers, producers, and the retailers are going to have to step up their share for us all to get to a position that we can all live in.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of where you step in actually with your refill systems, Um, because what you're effectively saying is these businesses, assuming that that kind of law comes into play, or if um, people are just demanding less plastic, which I think. They are, especially after the Blue Planet 2 effect, which I know you're a big fan of. So um, in terms of the, the refill systems, and I'm, I'm actually just going to share my screen here um, so that we can take a look at it on your website. Um, I just We're just on the um, beunpackaged.com, so this is the Unpackaged website, and we're looking at a refill system here, right? Yep. Um, so, can you talk us through a little bit, because, I mean, you and I can see it, but there are people who are listening. So, what, what exactly are we looking at?
1: Uh, so, we this is actually one of our prefabricated units. So, this is what goes into existing businesses. Okay. So, really, we, you know, we don't um, design or own those uh, big dispensers you can see. So, what you can see on the top is a row of what are called gravity dispensers. Mm-hmm. So they are filled with ingredients like rice and cereal and things like that. And you pull a handle down. And that's how you dispense your products. And then the scoop bins, everybody will know from Pick and Mix and M&M World, (laughs) um, where you get more of the sort of snacking products, nuts and dried fruits. The really interesting bit is you see on the left, there's that um, scale. Mm -hmm. So that scale is made by a company called Preserver. And we actually designed it with them uh, by request from Planet Organic, who we had our first, they were our first step up from running our own independent shop to, trying to work with bigger businesses, supermarkets. So we have concessions within theirs. And if you were to go into a zero waste store with your own, you know, small independent community store with your own uh, packaging, there would probably be a fairly rudimentary system where you would put your Tupperware on a scale. Uh, you would tear it, which I know is a concept you're interested in. Uh, so tearing basically just yeah. means finding out the weight of your Tupperware that you've bought yeah. in so that you can minus it off and you're not being charged for it. And
0: that's spelled T-A-R-E. Yeah, which everybody yeah.
1: will remember from when they first started making cakes with their mums, uh, you know, if they were lucky enough to cook with their mums, that, you know, you always put the um, the bowl on the scales and reset the scale to zero. So it's right. the same, same concept.
0: I can't believe there's um, an entire word for that concept. It's brilliant.
1: Well, there is, because you are not allowed to, and quite rightly so, you are not allowed to charge for the packaging. because Yeah, exactly. If you had a very expensive product, so a very speciality tea or something that was 30 to 50 pounds a a kilo Mm -hmm. suddenly your your bag if it weighed 15 grams is going to cost a lot of money so so it's it's fair uh for people to remove the weight of their containers so yeah so in a in a small zero waste shop you would have a very rudimentary system of doing that and Planet Organic said to us, we can't do that because people behave differently and there's fraud and we can't have people walking around writing things on with pens. So we developed that scale with the and it's the first scale that allows a customer to go up and do it really safely and securely. And it's done with barcodes. So you would pop your container, your empty container on first and it spits you out with a barcode that references the weight of that container in a totally um, safe manner that's compliant with all the right regulations, mm-hmm. uh, then you go off and you fill it back and it comes back and it prompts you and it just says, please scan your your barcode and it scans it and automatically takes off the weight. So it means customers don't have to worry about adding up 15 grams or minusing off 15 grams. Um, so that's our our thing that goes into independent shops. Okay. And I think if you just clicked on the unpackaged word at the top, you would probably go back to our homepage. Yep. And that shows you... Oh, wow. This is a much bigger one. ...our old shop. And this mm-hmm. is what you would expect to see in a supermarket. So much, much um, wider range, banks and banks of dispensers. Yeah. And there's a, whole, you know, there's a whole visual language to it. It's, it's about telling the customer that this is a refill area and they're mm. going to come shop differently with it.
0: Yeah, it's really nice, too. I mean, there is so many different colors over our, uh, the labels I can read. I see chickpeas at the top. There is... Um, organic jasmine rice uh, i see yes. beans there and it's it's, so it's like a cornucopia
1: of yes. colors it's so lovely to see the really interesting thing are, there are many things i realized when i set this business up that i didn't think that i was setting it up for but one of them is about product quality you yeah. can if you take the packaging off you cannot hide bad quality product and that doesn't mean mm. that everything has to be expensive organic homemade you know it's perfectly legitimate to have a zero waste section that doesn't have any granite products in it because there are people who need to shop at different price points. Mm-hmm. But it does mean that you can't sell bad quality product because there's nothing yeah. to hide behind. Um, it's really it's been a really interesting journey.
0: I think um, w- what else I find really interesting is that we have so far just been looking at uh, dry dry goods, mm-hmm. um, and you'd focus on other products that are oh. actually not dry; they're liquid, um, like beer and wine. And um, do you do any milk?
1: uh we so when i had my shop uh it was in the very early days and there actually weren't very many milk dispensers that it's some liquids is where the innovation is currently lying so at that point it was it was very much you have to put oil in a stainless steel drum and certainly it comes out of a tap or you Mm -hmm. put washing up liquid in a big jerry can effectively with a pump you know so very kind of manual systems so i actually just bought our milk off the local milkman in glass bottles because i knew that the system already existed and Absolutely. customers were very happy to take it away i sort of feel like it is the best solution it's very messy so there are um places now that have milk refill machines mm-hmm. uh some of them are very very fancy so you sort of put the bottle in and the door shuts yeah you have nothing to do with it you press a button and then some are a bit more manual that you have to sort of press a button and it just it can lead to a lot of spillage and things
0: yeah, I can imagine. Uh, <laughs> even, even
1: for trying your best but Imagine, you know, having a, a toddler pulling on your hand and you're trying to answer a phone, you know, it's
0: yeah.
1: people, people it, don't they, concentrate in shops.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, if they don't concentrate when they're driving, then they certainly won't concentrate right. with something like that. Um, and so how about the beer and wine? I, I imagine that age might be an issue or a consideration. Yeah. So
1: beer and wine, you, you the law is really that you have to have somebody there serving it. Um, so if you were a small zero waste shop, you would probably have it behind the counter and then someone would ask for it and you would serve it for them. Um, at Waitrose, they sort of almost built a mini bar, but it was actually fantastic because it was where everybody gathered. You know, they did lots of tastings, you know, oh, cool. cups, and it was actually a really convivial space. Um, you know, they are specialty products. It's different selling a product like that. You you need someone who's serving it who can explain about, you know, what it is, where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people need a bit more detail. Um on products like that.
0: Yeah, uh, especially if someone's there, then they're, people are gonna just naturally ask. I mean, you can't, if yeah. someone's standing there, you you just assume that they, they know. And so the whole point is that rather than the shop providing the food in containers, i.e. single use uh, packaging or plastic, um, the idea is that people bring their own containers. So you are saying like you bring it in and then you weigh it, put a sticker on it. What happens if someone, I mean, some, I, I don't go with you know with my backpack with a bunch of um, uh, little Tupperware containers in it so what, do, what, of, what would I
1: do people do so we yeah, oh there
0: go you up. go I, I should really oh. start
1: yeah our first shop um was on a cycle route and so many people would come we had a lot of cyclists and you know they would they would happily cycle to work with a load of empty containers and fill them up on the way home but mm-hmm. well, they used to drop them in with us and we would fill them up and they'd pick them up pre-filled, you know sort of click oh, and that's nice. Um, <laughs> Click so if people forget their own, at the minute, really, the only option is to buy them or every shop really has paper bags, uh, which is not ideal. Uh, we started with no single use packaging at all, but it's just it's not a welcoming way of shopping so it's fine for somebody who knows what the concept is and is fine to go oh I forgot my container I'll, I'll just take a paper bag this time and I'll bring my next my one next time but if somebody walks in and this has happened to us when we have no um, uh, single-use packaging somebody walks in they've never heard of the shop you know they might not be environmentally minded at all but if you talk to them in a nice way and explain it then they've got every chance of coming around to your way of doing things and if you say to them oh did you bring your own container oh no oh sorry you can't buy anything i mean it's just a terrible consumer experience so pretty much
0: lost them for life at that point
1: exactly yeah (laughs) um so so yes everybody has sort of some sort of paper bags and it's a constant battle to shift people from paper bags to to reusable some people Mm -hmm. are just in it they would never even consider. I used to have customers who would, if they bought nine containers and wanted a 10th item, they'd sort of rummage around in their bag and take out an envelope that had a letter in it and, <laughs> in it and things, you know, so committed.
0: Committed, yeah.
1: Yeah, super committed. But that's really the what's available now. The future is not that. I hope that a future would be, and this is where the, the nemesis of hummus comes into it, have yeah, pride refilling hummus into small pots and things and it's a mess and you, you probably get more food wastage than you should and it, it's just not a great uh, consumer experience. I would love to see a system where you walk into a shop and there is an array of hummus on a shelf and some of them are packed in reusable containers And you take that and it is somehow linked to your loyalty card in some way, shape or form. And it registers that you've taken it and you are then incentivized slash penalized to to bring it back. Or if you don't bring it back, then you eventually get charged for it. Mm. So I think there will be always be a mix of people bringing their own containers. But I think if we can get to pre-filled reusable packaging, then there's a whole chunk of people in the middle of the scale if we think we've got a scale and at one end are people who don't know don't care are not in a position to care you know there's a lot of people who have really really hard lives and i'm they're not my target with this you know also people who have really hard lives aren't really creating the giant carbon footprints that the rest of us oh, yeah. and then you've got people who are totally bought into it and then in the middle you've got a lot of people who i genuinely think would be persuadable if we could make it fit in with their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's where reusable packaging, which is almost, owned by the retailer owned by the manufacturer and you are just sort of paying to have access to it yeah uh, i think that's a whole bit of innovation development and and that is starting so it's starting so there's a great organization called cup club who are doing it with coffee cups um so there's lots of people who are saying how can we do reusables yeah we in february will be launching a very exciting project with an online company who are trialing something like that which I hope is going to be as interesting as the Waitrose um, bricks-and-mortar trial was uh, because lots and lots of people are choosing. To, I personally don't do home delivery, but lots of people are choosing to shop that way. Um, so this would just make it so much easier.
0: Yeah, that's that's so just going further on that, because I'm curious to know, um, home delivery sounds like and i know you've, you've spoken about this in the past i mean it's not like a truck is going to come with this massive refill station and i'm going to walk out in my you know
1: what, some people have talked about that so we okay. have some workshops where people talk about that uh i've not seen anybody do it people have done it in a mobile more like a mobile market stall which okay. is in uh, there was some, something called Charlotte's Cupboard that was down in a sort of Brighton Way and they have a very rural area so it made no sense to have a shop. So they, on a Monday they were in one town and Tuesday they were in a different town, but it was really a mobile market shop rather than something sort of coming to your house. Um, so the online project, I can't talk about it too much. So there is a project from the States called Loop, which yep. is being supported by all of the big brands.
0: That's a TerraCycle, isn't
1: it? That's yeah, so based on TerraCycle. So I think TerraCycle have leveraged their relationship, you know, because it's all brand based um, in terms of what they do with recycling. And they've done something really, really clever, which is to really get the brands to put their money where their mouth is and create beautiful, desirable, reusable packaging that will stay in the home. We with this project are going to approach it slightly differently because I think there might be another way to try to solve the problem, uh, Mm -hmm. which I can't talk about it now because it's it's quite interesting. Um, Can't wait to hear about it. But yeah, it's it's going to be a different way of approaching home delivery and it's going to be um, really interesting to see how their customers react to it. And I think the great thing, especially that the Waitrose project showed, is that I think previously with innovation, businesses were really keen to run a project, or, or almost do do things internally. And then when it was 99% perfect, only then would they unleash it on the public because they were so frightened of criticism. And I think the modern world with social media, you know, there's so much sort of people expect much closer access to brands now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's actually opened up a space for brands to say, well, we're going to try this. We have no idea if it's going to work, but we all recognize that someone's got to try something. And that was what we did with Waitrose. You know, the only marker of success of that project was have we understood consumer reaction to it by the end of 11 weeks that was what we were trying to do we were trying to say this is our best guess of how it can work I mean obviously they were using us and we've got 12 years of experience but in much smaller shops so there were lots and lots of different challenges but it was this is our best guess of of how we think mainstream consumers might like to shop and we were proved right
0: and so can we um uh just provide some context because the waitrose unpacked i was actually um that that if i'm not mistaken it was june 4th 2000 or uh, here we go uh the 3rd of june 2019 um uh, was when it was launched i have it
1: was because it was timed when i was meant to be moving to somerset oh, okay well there you go <laughs> so <same> week. <laughs> easy
0: to remember um i i do remember seeing it. it was it was in um it was in the bbc and um i remember my my uh, girlfriend sent it to me and said, "This is look at what Waitrose is doing." Um, so the I'm just going to share my screen again, uh, just for anyone who hasn't seen it. So it it's um this was from the fourth of June, but it says Oxford Waitrose unpacked campaign. Um, and so can you can you tell us a little bit more about what yeah. exactly this was all about?
1: So this was they were the first retailer to bring zero waste as a concept mm-hmm. to a range of categories within their store. So when we first started working with them, we very much pointed them in the direction of: you cannot just put in twenty dispensers into a shop that has thirty thousand items of single-use packaging and expect people to know what to do with it. It yeah. just won't work. So we said we: have, it's all about the story that we tell. So that's why you can see the unpacked branding from outside the store yeah that started you know almost back in people's homes in terms of social media and and on their website and things and we told a story so the minute you walked in you had a map of how to get around the store to shop without packaging and we picked 13 categories of uh items that people could buy either in loose or in their own packaging so there was a big focus on fruit and veg which sounds logical, but obviously yes. the food veg has become so packaged.
0: Which is crazy uh, to think about. Yeah.
1: You know what? It is crazy, but it's also totally logical, because if you want to eat a cucumber in November, you're not going to grow it in the UK.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's got to come from somewhere, so it needs those of packaging. So we can mess around with it the whole time, but really the question is, is should you be eating a cucumber in November? Yeah, that's a good point. That's the reality. Yeah. Um, Although everybody, you know, in the packaging industry will tell you that, you know. hundred
0: percent, they should.
1: You know, (laughs) it will extend the life of the cucumber by five days. And you can say, yes, 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 yes. But A, you could grow shorter English cucumbers and then they wouldn't have the degradation that, that the long ones do. Everyone only ever eats half a cucumber anyway and B, just don't eat them out of season. But anyway, I digress. Um, so it was, as you walk around the store, it was fruit and veg. Um, so I think they took 200 and something lines uh, loose. Uh, so they sold lots of things like, you know, um, strawberries and raspberries, the punnets, you know, all of those yeah. things that like, I would never buy because they have so much plastic on, but sometimes, you know, I would like to eat a raspberry, you know? <laughs> um, then it went into uh, meat, fish, Deli counters, so they did a 10% discount for anyone bringing their own containers and there was a big push on reusable containers everywhere to try and say this is a normal thing. Uh, then we went on to what we called the refill s- zone and that was partly because we had to have staff members in there, uh, oh yeah, so here you can see. Oh, the, do you know what, the veg kitchen has now been taken out but I, it was such a lovely idea, It was it was like a veg butcher. So oh, that wow. lady, I think, has probably gone taken her vegetables, like beetroot or something, to the veg kitchen, and for free they would peel them, chice- uh, slice them, dice them, so you could take. Wow. Them. It was a way of trying to get that kind of convenience uh, with healthy plant-based food. It was a lovely idea. I don't think it worked, and I think mm. it got broken out, but it was a really lovely idea. So those are the uh, cardboard punnets, uh, which you oh, know, yeah. it's it's still not a reusable solution, and this is my. Uh, point about zero waste is zero waste does not mean just switching out one single use material for another. There is probably a lot of evidence that would suggest that those cardboard punnets have a higher carbon footprint than the plastic.
0: And just for the people who are, are listening and can't see this, um, essentially what what we're looking at is in the article on the BBC is these um, basically replacing the little plastic boxes that like cherry tomatoes or blueberries come in, and, and it's been replaced with essentially. Cardboard versions of that, so I'm I'm assuming they're completely recyclable and made
1: from. Yeah, so they're completely recyclable, which is a benefit. So I think something like that, to me, is a step in the right direction, but not the end result, Mm. um, because we still need to get some more reusable systems for that. You know, it's still a waste of resources. Um, So then uh, you you carried on past the veg kitchen and you got to the refill zone, where we had frozen. I'll I'll talk to you. Frozen products, dry goods, uh, coffee beans, and wine and beer. So the frozen were these lovely big freezers of of really lovely um, uh, frozen fruit that you could do pick and mix on. So if Mm -hmm. you wanted pineapple and raspberries but not strawberries, you could do that. And that was one of the best... Uh, product unpackaged because every time you lifted the lid on it you've got this amazing woof of the smell of it. Like that, so it was yeah. actually a really engaging experience more so than we thought um, because actually buying frozen products is a very efficient way of buying them you know mm-hmm. if you can grow things in season and then freeze them it's actually a very efficient way um, to have access to fresh products such yeah. as stories that you shouldn't be buying in the depths of winter when they're fresh so uh then we had the, the the hoppers and the scoop bins that you've seen and then there were these lovely uh, coffee beans that um had a grinder next to them so you could choose uh what you know size you wanted to grind it for how are you going to drink it and then um beer and wine and then you carried on round and you ended up with uh cleaning products which was an ecova branded machine because mm-hmm. they as a manufacturer uh, so i've done a bit of work with them and they okay. are They've always had a refill system. So anybody who goes to a small independent health food shop will be used to seeing an EcoVer, you know, a giant bagging box and a tap. Um, yep. Never sold that in supermarkets. And it's also a slightly messy concept um, for the supermarket. Setting.
0: Similar to what we were talking about before with the milk. You
1: know. but they, have, <laughs> they had to go with a much more complex uh, machine uh, from a uh, colleague of ours in France, uh, Gerard, with a company called Jean Boutet, uh, who's doing very well in France. It, they had a lot of problems with the machine there was a lot of tech issues mm. um and you know panels every time you get electronics and things involved you know it, it's hard to manage yeah so there was a lot of learnings from that but as i said you know the the whole reason of the project was to learn and i think one there are stats about how much packaging and things they saved but the best uh description of how popular it was is we ordered enough stock for 11 weeks of trial and it sold out in week one and we did wow. some the forecasting, you know, it wasn't that we forecasted too low, we genuinely forecasted based on percent, you know, there was a lot of thought that went into how to choose that number of products. And it was so popular with people coming from all over, unfortunately, some people who'd got in their cars and proudly said, I've driven 40 minutes <laughs> to come here. Um, but you know, it, it's all a work in progress. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Nothing is perfect. You've got a car anyway, so you might as well use it for something useful like this, but yep. fully appreciating. But, we don't really want people to drive, but that's why we have to prove that it works and then get them in small Everywhere. Shops, yeah. Shops. yeah. You know, it should be like Marmite, available everywhere.
0: Yeah. And eaten only by a handful. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so with, with Waitrose, I mean, 11 weeks of uh, stock sold out in seven days or so. Um, so how, with that, I mean, is every Waitrose already doing this?
1: No, so they've moved it into four now. So they've okay. had uh so they they very much were not going to do anything until the end of the trial uh to see to prove mm-hmm. it. Uh but they've moved it into four and there is now a, a team working on it. So how they um expand it into other stores. Uh ASDA have just announced that they'll be doing something in May. Yep, I
0: saw that. Uh
1: Morrisons have quite quietly been doing this already in their Skipton store. So they have a concept store up in Skipton where they try new ideas. Okay. Uh, so they have already been doing that. Uh, we helped them, and So they've launched a in one of their new stores in Southampton, in Hedge End. Uh, so they've got a refill section there. Uh, the really interesting bit about the Asda one from the imagery that they have put out, you know, this is, it hasn't been um, set up yet, is they appear to have a whole Kellogg's branded part of it. So this shows, and anecdotally from the amount of people that are now coming to us for our help, the brands have all suddenly gone oh oh here's an opportunity which is kind of what we've been saying for ages yeah it's it, us it is so obvious that you should have you know branded and i've seen i've seen when you know there's an m&m one in a uh, sainsbury's up in north london but mm-hmm. that's not quite the healthy products that we would really like to be promoting yeah. so
0: but i guess the uh the idea is there so it, i mean from that point of view it makes it sound like uh both the stores and the brands are. Um, it's a win for them. So it must, there must be some sort of financial incentive, I guess. So I, I, I guess my question is, are they saving money by going to these kind of refillable stations? Are they, um, making more money from it? What's, from their point of view, why would they want to do this? So
1: I think at the minute, and everyone would probably admit this, it is costing everybody more money to do it because mm-hmm. it is, it's in its infancy. Right. Um, and I think very much at the minute to do it in a supermarket, is it a, it's effectively a scaled up operational model of a small independent, which is somebody having to clean these dispensers out we are starting to work with logistics companies to say perhaps the cleaning doesn't need to be done in a shop, you know, so there could be replenishment services and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I slightly forgot where I was going with that. What would remind me of the question? Oh, we're saving money? Yeah. So when the model works well, if you imagine a really good example would be uh, our old olive oil supplier, although unfortunately now because of new EU regulation, you're not allowed to sell loose olive oil. But he used to bring send us, he had The loveliest oil um, from Italy and he would send us a 25 litre drum with it. So if you think that it is going to cost him a lot less to put it in a nondescript drum than to put 25 litres in 50 fancy glass bottles, 500ml glass bottles. So he will be saving money. He can then pass on a, a portion of that to me as the retailer so I can get a bigger margin. And then I can pass on a cost saving to the customer because they are both bringing their own container and doing the work. Uh, And logically, in a consumer's head, it does not have packaging. It should be cheaper. The reality is is that all of the single-use film packaging that you see is so unbelievably cheap. Mm. It is the most negligible part of the cost ever. So like a hummus tub probably costs 0.001p. I mean, it's just... There is no real cost saving from taking it off, but that's only because of the way the entire system is set up to support single use. Right. The regulation and the taxation and stuff that is coming in will soon, and the polluter pays concept, will make it more expensive for anybody to put that kind of packaging on the market. The mm-hmm. so part of our sell to these businesses is we will help you be resilient in the face of this. Yeah. So when the system works, everybody should save money. And the consumer should see it. At the minute, the consumer is being given it as a discount because when we it's go in and offer advice, you know, you have to. You know, yeah. there are certain people like me who would do it anyway. I'd probably even do it if it cost more money because that's how committed I am. But mm. I'm fraction, fraction, fraction of the... Um, and nobody should be penalised for doing the right thing either. Um so there will be a lot of people who genuinely will shop it as well because it's a better value for them and great that's the reason they do it great doesn't i don't care what reason somebody does it for um so i think that i once drew a map of who pays for the production and disposal of packaging throughout the supply chain and in a single use supply chain the producer pays for it and then it's passed on a bit to the retailer and then the retailer goes, thanks very much, off to local authority when you put it in your rubbish bin at home. So when you suddenly start saying, oh, but we're going to implement this reusable system and it's going to cost this much in an investment and this much to manage it, they're like, well, how are, we, how are we going to pay? So there's a lot of rebalancing that is going to have to go on from a very macro level to make this work. Um, yeah. We were talking to some manufacturers, and if you imagine that, I don't know a piece of packaging machinery that puts mm-hmm. I don't know ketchup in a bottle would probably cost two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. You know how on earth is a manufacturer going to start reinvesting in in different machinery or amending that machinery to service reusable packaging? You know, these are, do we need scrappage schemes? You know, in the way the government's done scrappage schemes to get people to get rid of diesel cars and things. No. You know, so it's. It it's a really big job. Complex. Yeah. yeah. It's a really, really big job. But the encouraging, and I'm not an apologist for supermarkets. I think a lot of the ways they behave are very, very problematic. Uh, multinationals as well. But I am sensing that they are all much happier to work together on things like this than they have ever done in the past because they know that, you know, they're all buying off the same manufacturers. I've got the most terrifying uh, image of all of the big brands in the world and how they're basically owned by about seven companies every brand you can think of i'll send it to you it's terrible That'd be
0: awesome. yeah, yeah. I,
1: so, so, I so imagine to make some this, of those names yeah to make this kind of change work everyone has to work together to do it yeah. uh, waitrose have been so generous they've done front of house and back of house tours for all of the other major supermarkets oh. uh, and they have been really really generous with their information seeing that if if they do well, if everyone does well, then they will do well as well. Mm -hmm. Not that it is a purely competitive advantage, um, which has been really, really promising. Um,
0: Another benefit that I'm thinking of as as you're mentioning these is actually a little bit, um, a little different. Well, I guess it is also saving money from the point of view of reducing food waste, I would imagine, because if I'm buying, uh, I mean, you said, you know, no one, eats a full uh, one of those long cucumbers. Yeah. You, I mean, yeah, the number of like half cucumbers I have sitting in my fridge. Yeah. Um, so um, I'm assuming if you can choose the amount of food that you are actually taking home, then rather than being told, right, here's your you know 500 grams or whatever, and you don't have a choice, um, all of a sudden this uh, consumer is in control of how much they purchase. Um, and how much they eat. So it's, there's also a cost savings, I, I would imagine, to the yeah. consumer from that point of view.
1: Yeah, and it comes up. So in all of the research, people start with the altruistic benefit. Uh, I'm doing this because I want to be part of the people who are saving the world. Brilliant. Yeah. When it gets harder, then it becomes much more about the personal benefit, which is I can buy the amount that I want. I'm not wasting money. Once again, this is a slight elephant in the room because businesses have made a lot of money out of selling people more food than they need you know all of those boggle, you know buy one get one free offers and things that used to be very very popular and are now have slightly pariah status because Hmm. i think i think the stat from rappers that we throw away a third of the food that we buy.
0: Yeah, I've seen that.
1: Which is just criminal on every level. You know, if people haven't got enough to eat in the world, if wasting resources, you know, it's just so wrong. Um, and just an, a monumental waste of money.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Um,
1: yeah. So the the challenge of this new zero waste model, uh is that it shines a light on a lot of the previously unsustainable practices yeah. that a lot of people, businesses, individuals, investors have made a lot of money on. Um, but they won't continue to make money if we don't have a planet with any resources in it. You know, so
0: yeah,
1: it's a bit of a zero sum game at the end. So, and I think I think they're understanding. I think the the best thing about it is the consumer pressure. And even if sometimes the, the pressure is a little bit misguided in the sense that it's just all about packaging, you know, all about plastics rather than single use per se, or, you know, mm. slightly wonky things about what consumers say that they want and what's actually kind of the right thing to do. But I, I'm so grateful for the Blue Planet effect and the consumer pressure because without that, these uh, suppliers wouldn't be, responding yeah the great thing is is the retailers are on the front end to it so they say right we've got to do something and then they say to their, their suppliers what are you going to do you know and the suppliers the suppliers don't really care how their product gets to someone um so it, it has sent a ripple effect up the whole supply chain that everyone is now responding to mm, that's fantastic and, and, and the capitalist way if people think they can make money out of it then they're entering it you know which is why loop is doing what loops do you know yeah the brands are doing that because it it is not just a PR thing. They do see that if they don't move on this and are seen to move on this, they will lose market share to a company that is. So mm-hmm. it's brilliant.
0: Yeah, that is fantastic. And so, as we, as we start to wrap up here, um, in addition to being a, a massive champion of reusable packaging and just removing single use of all shapes and sizes and types from circulation altogether, what what do you do in your daily life um, to be environmentally friendly as a way to inspire some of our listeners?
1: What do I do? Um, I am so far from perfect and I want to make it really clear. Like I am not someone who fits my entire rubbish for a year in a kilner jar. jar. Um, and I, and I, I've always sort of said, but it's cause I'm working so hard, you know, and I've got a child and things. So actually this year I've, I've had a bit of a talking to myself. Um, and I now have a rule of no more packaged snacks. So, you know, I like a packet of crisps as much as anyone else. And I just, I just can't justify it anymore. So I've definitely had a bit of a talking to myself. Um, I refill literally everything that I can. So we're very lucky in the town that we live in. We've got refillable milk. We've got refillable cleaning products, toiletries. Uh, There is a a, a little independent zero waste shop in the next uh, town along. Um, So once a month. So I try and group with anyone else from the town that wants to do it. So we're not driving lots of cars to go and refill. I mean, it's it's a bit of an unavoidable fact that in the country you have to drive a lot more. So I'm... Fingers crossed I'm gonna get an electric car. I'd love to be able to lease an electric car is my dream for this year. Um, So yeah, so I try and yeah, just refill and reuse everything that I can. I don't really buy many new clothes uh, and I pretty much eBay everything. So I'm purchasing anything that I want. I don't know, a present for my daughter. So she wanted some Paw Patrol toys for Christmas. So I got on there and found a second-hand set of Paw Patrol toys. And they are just as good. She, she's four. She doesn't care. Yeah. You no. Know? Um, so very much secondhand is, is my real thing, is is really, really um, whatever you want to buy, see if you mm-hmm. can find it second-hand. There's quite a good borrow and share group down here, which I haven't hugely got involved with yet because I haven't really needed anything. But if I needed, like, a lawnmower or something, then I think there's a group that oh, cool. share items like that, which is great. Mm-hmm uh and then the flying so the flying and the meat um so i'm not a vegetarian yet i would really love to be vegetarian uh, lots of
0: resolutions for the year i can hear yeah.
1: no no it's, it's, a, you know, it's a gradual journey and this is what we say to everyone that they're getting involved so i like, don't it's not like going on a diet and depriving yourself of everything so like, literally no. just do one thing a month one thing a month um so really uh challenging my partner in flying so this half term um we didn't get a cr- any time off at hol- uh, Christmas really so we are going to a cottage in Pembrokeshire that we can get oh. to uh on public transport so oh, it will be rainy and freezing you will probably <laughs> moan at me for the entire time <laughs> but we're not flying <laughs> and So, yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that all of this pales in insignificance to the meat question and the flying question. Um, So we have to be realistic about that. But I do think shipping away at it at every available opportunity, not giving yourself a really hard time, but actually, you know, we all live really, really comfortable lives. You know, there are, we are the 1%, whether we're rich in this country or not, globally, we are the 1% and we have very comfortable lives. And we don't need an endless stream of new stuff to make our lives better. And so, it's really interesting looking at, you know, the sort of like, everything that's going on in Davos and the way that Trump reacts to Greta Thunberg as if, you know, the message that she's bringing is this message of misery. And it's it's trying to communicate that message of, you know, we can all be really happy without all of this stuff because yeah. we can focus our energies on doing things with friends, you know? Um,
0: yeah, I think that's a good point.
1: You would ever remember at the end of your life. You're not going to remember how many dresses you owned your yeah. experiences you had with people you love so with I, I don't mean it sounds really worthy and i don't mean it to sound worthy but it's 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 trying to sort of get that kind of cultural shift away from satisfying our desires by buying things into satisfying our desires by i guess doing things and having experiences um, and i think that's the kind of shift that we're going to have to have globally which is sort of happening you know you look at People don't buy CDs, they stream them, you know, people go to a lot of outdoor events rather than buying music. So, you know, I think it, there is definitely this kind yeah. of experience culture that's happening. Um, and I think that's probably how to have a happy life whilst trying to not consume quite as much stuff. Yeah, I
0: think, um, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's um, That's actually one, one thing I'm really focusing on now is with gifts specifically is um, giving experiences. And I was given some experiences as well as gifts. And it's something that I really look forward to because it's usually planned in the future. So it's okay. almost like elongating the holiday season, uh, which is really cool. And then afterwards, like like you said, it's a memory that sometimes yeah. if it's really special, it, it'll last for the rest of your life. And it, oftentimes it doesn't really take up any resource uh, from that point of view of like packaging or plastic or this, that, or the other. So I think um, experiences are, are really are a much better substitute actually. It's not like you're um, depriving yourself. I think it's yeah, I think way we better. Get
1: away from this concept of zero waste being deprivation. But if you look at like the people who are really, you know, visible like Bea Johnson from Zero Waste Home is like, she's having a great time, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's about how to do that. And I appreciate for people who are not, I guess, in the kind of sustainability world, Mm-hmm. it's a big shift it's a big big shift you know people have been sort of fed this model you know you have to accumulate things and wealth and bigger yeah. houses and more cars and all of this and it's a very different shift and i don't want to i don't want it to be a shift that's only available to people with more money and more resource so i just think yeah it's challenging it's challenging
0: yeah um and hopefully there's a way to to make it all work for everyone um and,
1: keep trying. I mean, that's what yeah. we do is just keep trying.
0: I think it's, it's the best we can do. So final question is, um, we, we've spent a little bit of time looking at your website here, but for those, of you, for those, of the pe- for those people who um, weren't able to read it and uh, want to learn more about the work you're doing and, and keep up to date and follow, follow you and uh, unpackaged, where can people go to see all of that?
1: So our website is www.beunpackaged.com. So that's beunpackaged.com. And then we are all over social media with at unpackaged. Um, So we try and post, it's not all stuff about us. We post interesting articles, anything to do really with, Waste, resources, consumerism, you know, we, we post about things like that. So, so yeah, so come and join us and, and get in touch. I'm sure you've got loads of amazing listeners who might work in some of the fields that we've been describing or might work for some of these big companies. Like, I love coming into big companies and seeing, you know, how can we help you do something different? Um, so anyone that's interested, get in touch.
0: Awesome. And thank you very much for that. Is there is there a way to find a store with a specific unpackaged refill station?
1: on our website you can click on the shop with us button um but in terms of anywhere that you can do refilling there are starting to be so pebble mag uh which is pebble magazine uh they are a sustainability magazine online and they've done lots of collections of sort of independent zero waste stores um but what i would also say is go and speak to your local high street stores if you've got a butcher I mean that's not exactly very sustainable <laughs> but you know go and speak to them and see if they will sell you things without packaging if you've got a local health food shop that isn't doing you know either eco refills or toiletries refills go and ask them if that's how they could do it because i don't think it should all be siloed into zero waste shops if you can persuade like you know we all need to support local businesses so they survive on the high street so just go and speak to people you know and yeah. say would you mind if i brought in my own tupperware You know, and they might say yes, but could you do it not when we're really busy because it's a faff for us, or could you make sure it's got the right labeling? You know, you you know, you got to you got to make people in these businesses' lives okay as well because you're asking to do something differently, and they're just trying to make a living. But I do think people want to sell you goods. So if, if you go in and are vocal and ask them about how they might be able to offer you their products zero waste, they will listen to you because they want to sell you products. So yeah, absolutely. I think that that's the best thing that you can do. is Just go and start talking to your local shops. So if you haven't got anything near you, go and see who might be interested in in jumping on the trend.
0: Yeah, a little bit of guerrilla uh, gorilla style uh, zero waste packaging.
1: That just, yeah, we've got to talk to people. I think we've all forgotten how to talk to people. Yeah. So, uh,
0: that, that could be a whole nother episode, yes. I think. Well,
1: you're very really <laughs> good at talking to talk people with a
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you very much. And on that note, it was, it was great speaking with you um, and, and thank learning. Thanks
1: so much for having me.
0: Yeah, everything that you've been working on. I think you've had um, uh, an interesting journey coming to this point. And hopefully um, you're taking all these learnings and going to be spreading them, not just in the UK, but throughout the entire world.
1: I hope so. I do joke that for 10 out of the 12 years we've been doing this, no one was really interested in what we were doing. So
0: so that means <laughs> was, now is your time.
1: Madness carrying on with it when no one was interested. But finally they are. So yeah. Yeah.
0: What an it's, exciting. It's spreading
1: uh, and whether it's us doing it or whether it's other people doing it in their own communities, you know, we welcome it all.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think it's very important work. And like you said, it's um a little bit from all different angles. And I think that the, um, the corner of the universe that you're working on is a really important one. So uh, we're all rooting for you and, and
1: thank you so much.
0: want to see you succeed. So thank you so much for your time, Catherine. Appreciate Great. it.
1: Great. Have a lovely evening.
0: Likewise. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, give us a five-star rating and also please subscribe, whether on your podcast app or on YouTube. And that way you can be the first to know about new episodes. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.